Welcome, listeners, ladies, and gentlemen, to another episode of the Gift of Gaming podcast. Do you like stories? I like stories, and so do my guests today. This episode, we're talking all about video game lore. So sit down, relax, grab a cup of tea, and get ready to listen. All right, it's me, it's your host. Forever and always, I'm never leaving this chair. You'll have to peel me out of it. It's me, Darren Wade. And today I'm joined by the lore seekers themselves, the guys who love to talk about stories, Colm Nolan. Colm? Hi, Darren. Hi, Chris. Hey. How are we all today? We're good. Doing We're good. good. That, that leads me into, and thank you for segueing into the other person. <laughs> it's the PC playing console hating full-time Canadian himself, Chris Robbins. Chris, how are you? Uh, I think you might have to add Lore Seeker to that title now. Oh, really you like, like that it. one? Yeah, I like that title. At the front or at the back? Yeah. You know, where do you want that? Well, yeah, you, we'd have to find some way to PC work it into the... console hating, Lore Seeking full-time Canadian. <laughs> yeah, Chris you Roberts. Know, yeah, love it. You did it. <laughs> First try, baby. I, I, always, I always wanted to make a D&D character that's strictly based around like the lore of the land, so you'd have like a... Probably a wizard, have a notebook and write down like all the enemies and what their weaknesses and what they might be strong against. And, like, so you, you'd just be like the encyclopedia for yeah, the party? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good fun, but you'd want to be on, you know? Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. Just remember everything. So how are you guys doing? Any any news? Any any strange things? Colm, it's your birthday tomorrow. Happy ah. early birthday. Or when this releases, it will have been your birthday yesterday. Ooh. Oh. Thanks very much for all the happy birthday wishes on my birthday, everybody. <laughs> Jeez. So I guess it'd be correct for me to say happy belated birthday to you for our Wednesday listeners. And if you, you know? say that, thank you very much. That's very sweet. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we went out for some pool for your birthday. That was fun. We did indeed this weekend. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for coming on out. Um, you can't beat a good game of pool, a couple nope. of beers and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I just played a little bit of games and stuff. Like, you know, I had to have a bit of recovery. Like, I can't handle beer as well as I used to. Mm-hmm. So my hangovers are mostly filled with breaking out the Switch or busting on the PS5. One of the above. That's yeah. why you got to drink whiskey. I don't know if, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be My liver doesn't agree either way. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Did you get up to anything on the weekend? Uh, not, not much. I actually, uh, yeah, sorry, I missed that uh, pool thing. I'm just, I'm having a dry May myself, so I didn't want, really want to be in a pub around all the booze. So I just did some life maintenance this weekend. And also play it a whole lot of video games as yeah. we do. Yeah. Very nice. As, and as can as I also do. draw attention, because the listeners won't know this, but Chris is clean shaven and has a fresh <laughs> new do. So, yeah, it's yeah, true. So there is other bigger news that happened this weekend is the Leafs, because of the big disappointment they are. They're out of the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah. So my playoff beard is gone. Uh, oh, that was <laughs> that beard was associated with your playoff. I like that. Yeah. Very good. That I, must be a Canadian thing, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> we grow beards when we play sports. Yeah, I uh, I 100%ed Advance Wars 1 over the weekend. Very yeah. nice. Yep, yeah, pretty proud of myself. Uh, what amazes me about that game is I must have played the shit out of that when I was a kid because I remembered all of those levels. Oh, that's amazing. And all of the tactics. I was like, this game is easy. Mm. Kids game, easy peasy. <laughs> yeah, so I got it, so I won. But uh, I, I suppose before we crack into our episode, I do have some housekeeping to go so the first point is we're going to talk about games and their lore in this episode and there will 100% be spoilers yeah so we'll mention our game before we start to speak and if it's a game you haven't played and you feel like listening to maybe fast forward five or ten minutes until we've stopped talking about it and, and come back in that's your warning and that's the only warning you're getting that's the spoiler warning 
that's it. If you hear something you shouldn't have, it's your own fault. After this, I'm not taking any responsibility. <laughs> uh, other housekeeping is if you like the content and you haven't already checked out our Patreon, you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash gift of gaming. Uh, and in there we have loads of post-show episodes. Last week we did... What was our post-show last week? Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, I asked. I asked uh, Craig and Andrew oh, what they have saved right. Ellie. Oh, from The Last of Us. Yeah, to see ah. what they would have done. In, it's a new series of post-shows I'm putting together where I'll put you guys in the seats of some video game characters to see what you would have done in their shoes. You know? I remember this argument from years ago. Did Craig's opinion still remain the same? I have to say, uh, I was like fixing the episode up afterwards, you know, like, and, and listening to it. And he made it unbelievably good. <laughs> I think Andrew at one point, so he made it just a really, really good point. Like he put it very eloquently, which is unusual for Craig. <laughs> yeah. But he put it very eloquently to the point where Andrew was sitting beside him. Andrew was like, wow, Craig, like that was pretty deep, you know? And it was, it was very, very good. No, Craig, uh, actually, I can't say, listen to the post show. Yeah, Chris, okay. you almost fucking, uh, you almost ruined the whole Patreon thing. Yeah. You want to hear that shit? You got to subscribe, motherfuckers. Um, but uh, after that, yeah, you want to get involved in the conversation, tell us about some of the video games that you love and their lore. You can email us us at the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com and i think that covers all of our housekeeping uh, I, I should say actually i was checking the the analytics of the podcast there recently just to see where people were listening from oh. so if, if they are still listening hello to our listeners in the u.s and hello to our listeners in belgium and indonesia and the philippines that's right fellas that's how far we've stretched our fingers to the one person in indonesia or someone's VPN. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is probably a far more likely situation. Yeah, yeah. But a VPN through Indonesia? like, Well, so... They might have good networks. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I, I think it, like, we were laughing, I released a song with the band there over last week, and how our drummer Bruno was trying to get a few extra hits in. So he was like, don't worry, guys, I got a pretty nasty VPN going. So he decided listening from, you know, Afghanistan, <laughs> Portugal, Brazil, everywhere he could just to get the the listens up so but enough about that guys we're a couple minutes in and we haven't even started our topic which i assume will be a big one because we're talking about lore our favorite mm -hmm. lore in video game series and which one of you two guys wants to to kick it off um you know what i'll uh, i'll kick it off with what is actually I, I lament about this one a bit it's a franchise i love but it's a, my dishonorable mention and it's only because i recently picked up resident evil 7 Started playing that for the first time. Fantastic game. They nailed the horror. It's yeah. so scary. But yeah, as I do, I you know did a recap on the Resident Evil timeline, the the story, and just like what the fuck is going on. And I still don't really know. Like Resident Evil started off amazing. I mean, obviously it's low hanging fruit, but you know, evil corporation <laughs> <laughs> playing around with chemicals, trying to make a bioweapon, releases zombie plague. I don't think it ever had to go past that because they eventually mm. re, um, introduced like uh, like parasites that would infect people. And don't get me wrong. The Resident Los Evil Plagos, something there. Yeah, there. exactly. Which yeah. was Resident Evil 4. Which is One great. of the best games. Yeah. But like, did it need to be parasites? And like, how does this tie into the story? And it's like, oh, those were used to like develop the virus at some points. And I'm just like, why? Why can't like... Leon and Chris just be some sort of part of some sort of elite tactical group that goes and handles these sort of supernatural situations. Does it all have to be tied 
into like Umbrella. Like, mm-hmm. can't we just have other bad guys? And, and the ties can be so weak at times. So weak. Because there's so many Resident Evil games out there. I think I might have mentioned it before, but I went over to see my brother in London a couple of times and he had these kind of like arcade Resident Evil games that would have come out. You know, oh, like... the rail shooters? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I actually enjoyed that. I had that for the Wii. Uh, it was like uh, Umbrella Chronicles, I think. Yes. Yeah, one and two. And... Um, I mean, it was basically like playing a time crisis or something like that with the Wii. Like, I don't know, it'd be like with a controller. It was Stupid awful. As well, yeah, but, it was. <laughs> that was fun. Did you have a PlayStation or was it on the Wii? No, it was on the PlayStation. It was on his ah. PlayStation Four. So he yeah, did. Yeah, sounds them. terrible. But then. like in terms of lore, it was so wacky. Like at this point, I don't know how many games they've under their belts. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If if like if five and six were at the stage by the time they made these, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, it gets it gets yeah. wacky and stupid. <laughs> And they did a particularly bad job with the uh, the Nemesis variants in that one, where it's just like big bulging heart. Obviously, it's a rail shooter, so they were just like shoot here. But mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get you. But no, the Resident Evil definitely like they have some very very cool ideas, and they just have never capitalized on it. Like, I mean, the series is like the first one is known because it's so scary, like just the camera angles, and they do that for two and kind of three. Then it takes on to like three D, and four was great because it broke that ground. And but it then became since a bit more that, of an action, like things yeah. were a bit more in your hands. Since that five, six, and even seven, like they're not very good. Like I enjoyed well, five to five, an extent. I but, enjoyed five, yeah. but you could definitely tell that's where things started to slip a bit. Yeah. Six fell apart, but seven. So they brought it back. Yeah, I seven, and they went in a completely the same thing that they did with like Resident Evil Four. They went in a whole new dire- uh, direction where it became first person, and there's even some like uh, you, you, you guys can't see me, but I'm doing like a wobble right now. There's like screen <laughs> wobble to like <laughs> for our audio listeners, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 uh, to simulate like how, it's really immersive. Like it feels like you're walking, and when you're running, it like it's a bit and more jittery. Was seven the VR? game as well or was that which one was the one uh, yeah the there is a vr variation oh is that biohazard though seven is biohazard okay so that yeah. was the one uh, the, VR, yeah. the vr one yeah so what would be your favorite so you you said resident evil dishonorable in terms of you like it but you think the lore is a bit stupid yeah yeah, yeah just, the, there's stories that they shouldn't be trying to piece together like it, it's very loose and they, they made a, an, an incredible villain in uh, Wesker and just oh could, Wesker was amazing they, but they just couldn't let him die no you know? couldn't let that name die I don't know if he died at the end of 5 I think he did but then uh, his son is in like 6 <laughs> and it's just crap yeah. you know? like, <laughs> just, you're no Wesker you yeah, know? yeah but he, Wesker is a very cool character you know he's in the rift now killing survivors uh, so Dead by Daylight reference ah <laughs> See, Chris is the horror expert. I need to get more more horror in me. So if that's your dishonorable mention, what would be an honorable mention or the one that you want to get into? Okay, so um, I'll let you guys talk a bit too because I've got a few I want to talk about, but I might as well just get this out of the way. My absolute favorite, um, any active listeners to this podcast would know, is the... Soulsborne series and it has a lot to do with like the delivery of the story and like the community involvement piecing it together um I really enjoyed everything about what that that series brought to the table and not just the soul series obviously because my favorite of them all is actually Bloodborne because I'm a big HP Lovecraft fan and I really liked the story and the atmosphere in that one specifically Mm -hmm. so but I mean I've gone in Great depth and details, and I think even Colin mentioned he might be 
Yeah, I've, in fairness now, I've played Dark Souls 1 and 2, and I've like uh, played Bloodborne as well. I never got to 3, uh, and I haven't done the either. Uh, 3 is really, if you enjoyed them, 3 is really good, but honestly, everyone should at least play Dark Souls 1, just because yeah. it's yeah. near perfect. I think I played that on the Xbox 360 and cleared that. That was actually, that was a kind of proud moment as well, because it was one of those games that <laughs> is frustrating, and then you just kind of learn to accept it and understand yeah. that, you know, from the ne- later games, like, right, this is exactly what I'm getting myself in for, you know? <laughs> so what about what is it about the lore in Dark Souls games that you enjoy so much? How is it deli- actually because I've never played them, how is it delivered in those games? So a lot of it is it, it's really cryptic. So you'll meet these NPCs that are just like well, one is literally called the Crestfallen Warrior. So they just give you tidbits of inf- information, but they like they're just super disinterested and mm. and the other thing is like every time you get an item it'll have like a description and then a little like bit of history like where it might have come from but that's only one of it like that like the helmet will say a bit and the uh armor like the chest piece will say a bit more so you have to like piece it together oh so like a full a full uh style of armor will have its own little piece of history in there yes and it'll be talking about these like um like there's one in dark souls 2 the frozen warriors and it talks about them but you've never heard of that area you've never heard Ferosa mention you've never heard an NPC talk about it but there's like other items or like spells that'll like you'll find and it'll mention it more or maybe you'll come across an MP like a secret quest line mm-hmm. and you'll find out like he might be from that area or something you'll get a bit more information and then you might not have all the pieces so then you go to reddit <laughs> you talk to somebody who's like translated something from Japanese and just like, oh, this translation like should actually include this bit. And you like, people are piecing it together. It's right. so fun. Because <laughs> I think, you know, there's such a fan base, especially with the lore surrounding those, uh, the, the Bloodborne mm-hmm. games, whatever. Um, but when the DLC was announced for Elden Ring and they gave a screenshot on it, Reddit went fucking mental about like just taking what was on that screenshot alone Oh, yeah. Or who they thought was in the screenshot and what they thought everything in the screenshot of this thing meant. Like, people went fucking deep on that. And I was reading, like, I've never played the game before in my life, so I have no idea what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. I was like, oh, these guys are going. The deep. absolute best content creator for uh, Souls lore uh, uh, goes by the name, like, Body Vidya on YouTube. He made a 15 minute video on that picture alone. Something yeah. like 15 minutes. <laughs> Just a screenshot, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Single screenshot. Yeah. Uh, one thing as well like in Dark Souls I'm not sure if Bloodborne is probably a different universe and then Sekiro and all them are probably like later or like different worlds and stuff but I know that like with Dark Souls like a lot of shows have kind of like taken inspiration from or no it's taken inspiration from like the world of Berserk oh, and it, big time. it puts like little influences in here and there like there's certain characters that would be from the manga or the story originally and like it's just the shape of them the armor style and everything like that and I like just to have like read one and then to like play the other you're kind of like ooh, i'm getting the references you know i feel yeah. like i'm included here and so you said the berserk manga yeah yeah miyazaki has openly stated that like he's dr- drawn a lot of inspiration from the dark souls story and like atmosphere from berserk like he's openly stated that that's pretty cool Mm. Yeah. So um, no, that's brilliant as well. I don't know. I think it's called Lodran, the world of like um, Lordran. Yeah. Lordran. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that's like the Dark Souls universe that focuses on one and two. But I think that like it, like the story doesn't really have a 
a plot per se like it has like there's subtle things and stuff like that and like he said there's items and armor that might be like you read the description of it and it might tell you it's like this is from an ancient family of a like from generations and generations and the whole idea is i think there's a curse on this entire realm and what's happening is like people are just when they die they're coming back and people are just being like constantly reborn and trying to like uh, re rekindle yeah. the flames but like it's such a perilous journey that people keep dying and it's kind of like the player you you could be the player people that dropped out of this game are these people if you get me like so like they get so frustrated with the game they give up and that's what these hollows within the game are they're just people Sensors that have given up lost their mind and them. they lose their minds just yeah. from like having to repeat this cycle never ending and you're like the main character has to go through this darkness and like it you're not like you're like, maybe let's call you fresh. <laughs> and then everybody else has been existing from like for generations and like, like just from all time, all the dead. And there's like these like massive archetypes that like kind of maybe have like thralls within these people. So like you are this fresh person that comes into this horrible realm and you're like the chosen one. You need to go rekindle these fires. And the, but when you finally rekindle the main fire, wherever that is, uh, it will basically help banish the curse and kind of retain or return prosperity to this land and like drive out the like hollows and maybe remedy all the damage that's been done. So like, despite it never being like, this is exactly what's happening. Like there's no cutscenes, There's no like monologues yeah. or it's anything all, like that. It's all, meal. The thing about that is like, that's, the uh the overlaying story that you're kind of like spoon fed if you don't do if you only play the game like sort of linear linearly uh but kindling the flame like that you'll find out if you do like all the like hidden side quests and meet the right npcs you'll find out that that was all like a plan put in place by the gods so they could maintain their reign and in order to actually like escape the curse you have to like extinguish the fire and plummet the, the earth into darkness and that's supposed to be the age of man but like those are like most people wouldn't even come across that in their first playthrough interesting because, yeah. so it's just mm. little, little bits popped about the place lots of layers to it and like another thing about it as well is like there's all these like very cool creatures there's very cool um like what's that area do you remember in the first dark souls anyway like um there's these snipers that are shooting you on the rooftops oh and you're like in Orlando. Yes, the, that's yeah, a very cool puppies. place. Like, and then like that. Oh my god! <laughs> he obviously one hates of the most it. Difficult parts. So difficult. Yeah. yeah, it killed me so many times. But <laughs> so did that bridge with the snakes and the like, the arrow that shoots across. Oh, the fortress. Yeah. yeah, I used yeah. to invade there all the yeah. time. After a while, you just learn to use the arrows on the snakes. But <laughs> for the first few times, you get wrecked. <laughs> and so, Colm, in terms of you, Dark Souls is there any other games that you are? A big fan of lore wise yeah absolutely and i don't know how to like maybe begin all this but like i would be very into like the fallout franchise or the series um i have like a few little things but basically i want to kind of talk about it like as a series rather than per game mm -hmm. because the things in one game do carry over into the later games so like you have factions at the beginning of like they usually follow a certain premise that you're a vault dweller the main character is so they live in these vaults after a nuclear war and then they come out into a ravaged wasteland and from there the kind of story opens up whatever is around them they deal with but the great thing about like fallout games are like i, I never played the first one i played a lot of the second one i went back and played it uh loved the shit out of the third one the third one was my absolute jam like it was fucking amazing but like so from playing the third one i just got a bite for it kept playing the games went back and played more games and then i start reading books and stuff that were like based like that had heavy influences on the fallout creators and stuff like that and there's so many like sci-fi novels 
novels, amazing sci-fi novels like um, Canticle for Leibowitz is a big one, you know, like this whole like preservation of technology after a massive nuclear bomb. And then like in Fallout, that's like the main premise, like one of the factions. Uh, so are, you know, sorry, um, are these books about the Fallout universe or are these books? They basically create the Fallout universe and they create this universe and Fallout takes it from there and goes on with it so like they they, oh, okay. they take this like massive like kind of thing like all right it, the whole fr franchise begins with like a massive fallout like a nuclear bomb um and then it wipes out all the civilization um what happens then is um essentially the best way to describe it is post-world war ii these timelines take a divergent so era world war ii after that nuclear weapons bad don't touch them this timeline, nuclear weapons, good, embrace it. Let's do whatever we can to like, you know, make this technology the best it can be. And then it develops into these massive cities, like uh, nuclear powered, like fucking sentry robots or Mr. Handyman that like clean robots that will clean your house and do whatever the hell you want. Um, but then basically they also start making these fucking, it's called the FED, which is like a fucking uh, forced evolutionary virus. And they start testing this on people. And basically, they're creating super soldiers. Uh, so they're like making Captain America juice. Nice. And you know, Darren, Captain America juice is pretty goddamn cool. It's good juice. Yeah. yeah. So Good juju. Yeah. So these people are making this like fucking thing that essentially is meant to make people into superhumans. Uh, they start doing it on them and it creates these distorted like fucking gigantic mutants. They become known as super mutants. And then basically, they keep on testing on them. They want to create an army of them. Um, for this war that's going on and then during all of this kind of shit going down they get bombed like bombs just come out of the entire like all over the place so like all of america all of the rest of the world has just been nuked to oblivion and all of these like centers where they were researching this virus basically release whatever they had into the the atmosphere animals that they had tested on get exposed to the virus so there's like there's creatures in the fallout universe that are fucking amazing like they're terrifying like the, the main one that comes to mind when i say that is the a death claw oh yes. death claw, yeah, death yeah, claw. Yeah. and basically they're just these fucking geckos that got experimented with and they are so terrifying in the game like if you come across one you are fucked and in fallout tree i vividly remember coming out of the like settlement the vault like the very first thing that happened is i went to walk across like it's it's not a far journey it's like a one minute walk in the game and I had to just walk to this town called Megaton. And while I was walking there, a fucking death claw spawned and just destroyed me. <laughs> and it auto-saved there. And I couldn't not get <laughs> mauled by the death claw. And for so long, I was stuck in this loop where I was just trying to like flee and run as fast as I could to get away from it. <laughs> and like just just as a hint of how terrifying this creature within this world is. And like, like and not even just the creature, it's the world itself that you're like, okay, oh, yeah. off to my first town or first yeah. city. Here I go. Like <laughs> I must say, I am a fucking fan of a wasteland, like a post-apocalyptic world, whether it be like um, nuclear holocaust or like some chemicals, viruses. I don't really mind. I just like the genre. But I think that the Fallout game really really like embrace that story um like candle for Leibowitz develop on it and then basically just make it their own I think the main creator of it as well was like a guy Brian Fargo who in like the 80s he made a game called Wasteland which I'm also a massive fan of both of them are like you know made by the same person and just you know, have gone on since then so essentially just a wasteland based rpg style thing where consequences your actions take effect and you can like side with factions or you can like go at your own and the factions in the world are also really fucking cool like there's the brotherhood of steel who are these guys that go around these power suits and they're just like mini guns everything like they got like airships and they also come from this novel like where like they're basically people that hoard technology and prevent maybe other people using this technology 
technology for like negative uses and so basically they're like the kind of police mm-hmm. but they're kind of shifty as well like they have their bad side and their good side yeah i mean who's, uh, who's gonna be like great people yeah at, you know after a nuclear fallout that's so. it but then you have like the baddies let's call them the enclave and they're like a kind of government agency that were doing more testing after the nuclear bombs on like people civilians and they're trying to get this like army of super mutants to basically like take over the wasteland and purify it so like you know they're like all right, good intentions <laughs> yeah well <laughs> imagine destroying the world and still not learning your lesson i know right like you know what if we do this again, it'll probably <laughs> turn out right. <laughs> and they, they, I don't think they even like super mutants. Like they're using them, but they don't like them. So I don't understand why they're like they're making a massive army that will yeah. one day probably be their downfall. Yep. When they try to like you know destroy them again. It's that whole thing: two um, wrongs do not make a right. Two nuclear fallouts are not going to purify your problem. Two negatives not make usually, a positive, yeah. though. But that is one main thing about it. Um, hey. Mathematician Chris over here, <laughs> yeah. he's got us covered. Um, plot point wise, usually the games do follow like a very simple premise. And it's just basically like, let's say you're in the vault. There's like a water chip malfunction and you have to go explore and find a new water chip. Chip, And you have to, maybe in a new game, you have to go find the Gek, which is a fancy way of saying water chip. <laughs> uh, and so then, what you're telling me is every game revolves around getting this water chip. Yeah, uh, except for New Vegas. In New Vegas, you're just a delivery guy who gets shot in the head and he's like, well, I want to find out what happened to me. And that's that's the premise of that one. Cool. Uh, and then 4 is like, uh, 4 actually has a kind of cool story, but you're looking for your lost son. Um, after you got frozen in time or you know you got cryogenically frozen mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty cool as well but like before I wasn't mad on like lore wise I don't feel I had as much within it whereas the other games especially like 3 like when you go exploring you'll come across magazines and stuff like that and in the magazines there's all this like cool like detailed comic work uh, very funny puns little details like that there's always reference to like pop uh, pop culture like there's always like these tunnel snakes who are just these Elvis impersonators and shit like that so like and so was that like because uh, one of the things i'm always interested in when, like especially when we thought of this topic i was like how is the lore delivered in a game like how yeah. do you get to know so obviously like the armor thing from you know from uh the bloodborne series or whatever so how is it delivered in fallout is it just through these kind of magazine things conversations no not through magazines no that's just like additional thing to world building now yes. in terms of like how the plot point comes across like you would definitely be kind of looking at um like main quests and whatnot but essentially you have the choice in many of the stories to whether a side with the brotherhood of steel who are trying to destroy the enclave and then you can side with the enclave if for some reason you want to be an asshole and ruin the world mm-hmm. so like no matter what you decide you'll still get the same lore like the same people stand for the same principles and there's these like factions that are against each other and will like do whatever they can to fight each other you're just like uh, clint eastwood in the movie where two factions are trying to fight and you can pit them against each other you can join one you can do whatever you want and so like from a story perspective it's fun because you get that kind of like you get to kind of mix it out and like you know if you want to fuck everybody over in the game it will let you do that <laughs> up until like a point where it'll probably lock you out of a conversation because you don't have a high enough stat yeah, yeah. but like that's just one of the things that comes with those kinds of games but like in terms of the lore again i do think that like the post-apocalyptic nuclear war this virus goes around makes all the ants all the fucking like bugs the flies the scorpions the rats they all just become ginormous and like the people that are just surviving in a barren wasteland have to deal with these creatures on a daily fucking basis and what some of them are terrifying way to fucking have to live the rest of your life <laughs> well, my god yeah. it is a bleak world it yeah. is for sure a well, very bleak world when you describe all these like giant insects and animals and stuff it uh makes me think of a really like one of my favorite like levels or like designs in a game is when you're 
really tiny and everything and like everything in the world is normal but it's just gigantic like i don't know if you ever play like uh, world four and super mario or something like oh that. yeah yeah of course yeah, like, yeah. everything's bigger or like the toy soldier games where yeah. you're just like in a real setting but things are just massive giant. there's a grounded game out there yeah it's i, I just like that but it's just I, obviously this is different it's mutated animals but it's kind of got that the same feel where everything's fucking huge yeah <laughs> that's it so I think, yeah, for me anyway, that's why I would enjoy this lore is because it kind of develops on a horrible post-apocalyptic world. And as I already said, I'm a big fan of sci-fi and that style. So yes, like just yeah, yeah. for me, me it's both. like an expansion on books that I really enjoy. And I'm just like, yes, I get to be in this awful world and then turn it off and snuggle up in a nice warm bed. <laughs> <laughs> and pray that no one pushes the nuke button exactly. in my real world. Um, interesting, you should, you should pick kind of post-apocalyptic world because the one I wanted to talk about is entirely based on that. And I'm going to put it out here because I'm going to ruin this fucking game, okay, story-wise. So your last warning, this is a spoiler for Horizon, the, the series. I've just, I haven't finished Burning Shores yet, the DLC, but I platinumed Horizon 1 and Horizon 2. And I think the reason I platinumed them, or was so excited to platinum because of... The background story, you know, the you, you are a thousand years in the future. Uh, it's all tribal people. You've just got bow and arrows and old school weapons. And for some reason, there are robots in the style of creatures from the past. You've got like birds, raptors, elephants, all these alligators, hippos. They all take on these forms of, of animals. So when you start playing the game, you're like, how did it, you know, that was the, one of the questions that I always had was, how did it end up here? Like, what is the story? And I think Horizon had a really interesting way on delivering that because you're a thousand years in the future. It's like the year 3060. And I think in the year 2065, the normal world, our world got completely fucked up. So the technology was incredibly good because as the story goes, they had to fight climate change. You know, it was very much based on kind of uh, real life situations. And in the world's quest to defeat climate change, the, there was this kind of global like unity of technological advancement to these amazing things, you know. So one of the things you find early on in the game is this thing called a focus, which the main character pins on her ear and she can like... A, projects a thing in front of her eyes so she can see a lot uh, from the ancient world in front of her and um, that not not a lot of other people can see so she becomes the chosen one based on the fact that she's able to use this tech and see lots of things that and all these simple tribal people just can't and if the other simple people were to just put it on them would it work yes and ah, okay. what, 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 what's great is, is that she finds loads it's like a, you know in, in the end of the first game being the second game she finds a cache of these things and then starts giving them to people and they all learn but what's what I love about it was that you you don't know what happened to humanity until the very end of the game, essentially. But the whole time you, you're going through, so it's called Zero Dawn, the first game is called Zero Dawn, and you know that the attempt to save humanity was known as Zero Dawn. So I was playing the game and my assumption was, oh, this is this, this is this great thing, this kind of maybe like final battle or a weapon they were trying to use to defend themselves against the calamity. So as time goes on, you learn, and this is what I love about the game, is that you, the focus can detect old tech that might still have a signal or might still work a thousand years later. So it picks up on old documents, old text messages to people, mm -hmm. old um, audio recordings, holograms, things like that. And that's how you learn like piecemeal as you play through the game. And a lot of it isn't like, you know, a lot of it is side quest stuff, but you get so much from it. One of my favorite things in it, because the game is a massive collectathon, there's these things called viewing points in the game. So you go to nice areas of the map and you, you know, have to get a viewing point. And what it is, is this guy when he knew the world was going to enter the apocalypse, he was this, and that, that's what I love. There's these, just the, the the little bits of lore 
is that he was a, a guy recovering drug addict and he called it the apocalypse apocalypse shit storm tour so he was going to visit all these places that he wanted to before the apocalypse hit because yeah. he was like the world's fucked i'm going to go see all these places what's very cool is he left a little piece of tech in every viewing spot that he went to with a little message from himself being like day seven of the apocalypse <laughs> tour or whatever and he takes a picture of whatever he was at and it's cool because when you arrive there it's old ancient ruins but when you turn on the focus you can visualize the picture that he would have taken of the ancient world and oh, you have to you have to match that over the ruins you have to find you know it's that thing we find the right angle match oh, okay. it over and then you can listen to an audio thing about like and it's just this lore of like these normal people no. at the end of their lives Go are ahead. they like real structures that we'd know like just like yeah, but yeah I mean, it turns it, out this was the eiffel tower no well, like look, so you're in you're in america you're in kind of like oh yeah yeah that's right i guess so yeah, yeah, none of your football. but it's like you know football stadiums uh some of them are like um uh like military bases and things like that that we we might not have seen but like other things are just like cool huts and stuff that would have been there for animal preservation in the, in the north and things like that north america but it's this little bit into this and it's it's cool because it's this guy who's a recovering drug addict so he's got loads of issues but he's just talking about his regrets and everything like that and well it's all come to this the world's fucked and it's gonna end and you're like why is it gonna end like what happens and you go through you learn all these things and it's just it's so well done in terms of there's so much that you can just pick up on like text messages from one person to another at the end of days that are just random little pieces out in the wild they're not things you have to collect mm -hmm. um but there's so much you learn about it one of my favorite pieces is towards the end of the game the first game you come to this structure where you believe that zero dawn was created and you're like okay well here it is here's what they were trying to do to save humanity so what basically happened is you learn that through the technology developed from climate change, they fixed climate change, the world was restoring itself, and the guy in charge of that big tech, this guy called Ted Farrow, decided he'd move that technology into private military. So you know it's shit's gonna go wrong. Develops these robots, super intelligent robots that can hijack any sort of tech uh, that the other side might possess. So if you're, you know, and it was lots of this it was modern warfare, so they'd go over and these machines could just take over drones and then use them to attack their opposition. Uh, and then they wouldn't use normal fuel, they would use biofuel, so they would take from wherever they were, just like landmass, and just use it to turn into biofuel and keep going. So they were non, non-stop. Uh, but they could control them, or so they thought, but there was a glitch, and these things started multiplying and taking up so much biomass that you know humanity realized at some point, well, like we've got to destroy these things, or there's no time. And as you go and you're learning all these pieces of information, these little phone bits, audio messages, holograms left for family members, you're kind of learning that, like, okay, there's this thing called uh, enduring victory, and it's that humanity's last stand against these robots because they realize that the amount of the, of biomass that they're using to fuel this massive army of robots that now has gone sentient or like it's under its own control. Um, they need to be able to stop this. So you learn this thing called Enduring Victory. And you're like, oh, this must have been humanity's last stand. And the coolest thing about it is you go into this final, uh, the final area and you're listening to holograms and you're reading things from files because it's everything. everything. This is where the base was. So all the tech is here for you to scan and read and like read documents and listen to all your things and watch holograms. And like the big twist with it at the end is that you have a hologram of like the Army General, the Acting Army General of the United States. And he's like, so if you've come here, if you've selected here, we've selected you, you're a scientist of renown. So people who went to this place were kind of kidnapped, essentially kidnapped scientists from around the world to come here. And he's like, you're here to help us with Project Zero Dawn. Now, what you would have feared is our project called Enduring Victory. Enduring Victory is a lie. And you're like, what the hell? So Zero Dawn was this thing where they knew they only had 15 months left until zero day, essentially. So humanity, there was no hope. 
it was over so enduring victory was this thing that like you know the propaganda to be like hey this big push this one last push and we can beat the robots but they were just sacrificing humanity to give time to these scientists to develop this thing called zero dawn and all it was at the end of the end of the game that you realize is that they were never going to win they were just building this tech and this ai system that would terraform the earth like hundreds of years later and then through like flowing facilities or whatever else would birth new humans so that sometime in the future they would go ahead and learn but the way it's given to you mm -hmm. and like there's so much i mean i could i could go like super deep into it because you know in the in the the latest game they've got this this group called or like there's this whole tribe who worship the gods uh, or their whole phrase is on the wings of the ten and they you know the way they portray it is like all oh, these flying gods of the past and you realize that it was this like this regiment of like air force you know like of the air force essentially mm -hmm. who were some of the greatest pilots of their time who gave their last hours to like try and destroy huge you know groups of robots and mm -hmm. stuff like that and drop nuclear weapons on them to give time to create zero dawn but these tribe people think that he was like these flying gods but you have the text you know it's like no it's just fucking a bunch of individuals nice. who were but it's how those things are sold to you you're like god these guys who, who the fuck are the 10 and you go mm -hmm. to a museum like an old museum with all this old tech and you listen to all the audio points like it's just all they do is like love these guys who flew in like fucking jets like <laughs> you know destroying things and is it like their church or do they even know about it you know so they, so they were, and it's cool because they were discovering like all these old holograms were working for like the normal people in this old mm -hmm. museum that was completely destroyed, but some of it still survives, but all these old holograms still worked, but only a section of the recording was played. Mm -hmm. So they only heard of like the wings of the 10, which was like a phrase that this group nice. used to do before they went out to, to war. But like these guys treat it as a God. So a whole religion forms. <laughs> <over> <laughs> That's pretty dope. Yeah. Can I ask you a I question? Oh, sorry. Um, can I ask you a quick one just about that yeah. as well? Like, so in the plot point, you were saying that the, the zero dawn was basically to create like a terraforming thing that will like give life to humans again in the future. Yes. Are you, uh, what's the main character's name? Aloy. Aloy. Is Aloy from that or is she a survivor? So Aloy, interestingly enough, is, and I, like, you know, I, I would recommend anybody to play it because the lore of the story is very, very cool, but Aloy is essentially, um, she's a clone of one of the scientists who, the, the, the main scientist behind Zero Dawn was this person called Elizabeth Sobeck. And you realize that they took some of her DNA to clone her in the hopes that that person would come back and be super smart. And the whole thing was Zero Dawn didn't work the way it was meant to. There was a malfunction in the hundred years that it was dormant in that there was meant to be this like, you know, kids would be born and they would be cared for by robots and they reach a certain age and then they would look after the next line of kids and all the while they put them through a school and the school was literally these focuses. So kids would put these focus things in and it would tell them everything about Ooh, I like the that, ancient yeah. past and how they could learn from their mistakes. But as it turned out, your man, Ted Farrow, who created the robots, who essentially ended dog humanity, he was a super like nar narcissistic fellow who... Uh, couldn't live with the fact that he would be known for all time as the guy who destroyed humanity. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, before every, before this thing was released, he killed the last of the scientists, you know, in secret and removed that from the system. So nobody could learn. Like all of the stuff for humanity was lost. There's no, no way people could learn from the mistakes. Not, not all the information was there, but because you find this, focus in an ancient ruin somewhere Aloy is able to pick up on some of it but it's like that like there's so much stuff it's what I love about games and lore essentially is that there's so much yeah. stuff you learn about their version of our 
lives, our mm. history, um, that you just pick up from random places in the world through holograms, documents, audio tapes, people talking to each other, just text messages from loved ones and things like that at yeah. the end of days. And like the whole time I was playing through it, I, you know, it's a game I'd love to play through again without the knowledge. Um, but it's it's a love, you know, it's such a great like the twist at the end is great that you realize that they're what they knew there was no hope and the whole plan was just to save oh. humanity a thousand years later. Mm-hmm. Very so. cool. Pretty awesome. I yeah. like that idea of uh, just like normal um, Air Force pilots being worshipped. I always wonder like if we were to end up in some sort of like apocalyptic state and there's just like remnants of humanity like and everything's been forgotten and then somebody comes across like a library one day and finds like a, book, a, a book or like <laughs> Chuck Norris. Yeah, he would be the guy. <laughs> no, somebody just like comes across a book or like uh, a comic book or like halo and then uh, suddenly master chief becomes the new jesus <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like but oh it's, my god this guy could have saved us but that all kind of all that kind of <laughs> stuff is cool it's like what those people without the focus what they were able to pick up on from the ancient world and they created entire tribes and yeah. you know uh, religions and everything from so it's a really really cool concept and i guess there's there's like two games with two major dlcs worth of that lore and little interesting bits like it goes through it like, you know you don't have to pay attention to it, but in the second game, it talks, if you follow a document trail, it'll talk about a guy that saved Las Vegas because the climate was getting so bad, it was impossible to be outside in Las Vegas. Like the roads melted, all that kind of stuff. So he, you know, you could just listen to this thing about this guy who found out how to um, purify water systems and he moved Las Vegas to underground to like what was essentially New Vegas, but it was an underground Las Vegas that he created. And you never need to know anything it's nothing to do with the storyline it's just if you cared enough to yeah. go into these places and read those documents and, like, well that's, that's the whole point of lore like or mm-hmm. just these games because i'm not a big narrative guy as we know but yep. like some games are just like i need to know more and i'm not going to sit here like like uh cyberpunk i'm not going to read every data shard so i'll find mm. somebody who's like compiled all that and give me the information so chris have you got any others i do have one and this is in a uh drastically different direction than um horizon there's not much thought to this next uh lore or timeline and story it's just direct and badass and that is doom night doom i fucking love doom and it's so just batshit crazy because he's just the guy um he gets like uh dishonorably like discharged from the military and ends up working some like shitty security job on another planet and it's all just like very basic level storytelling just because back in the day all they wanted to do was make a fantastic game yep. and they kind of like wrote the story afterwards yep. and like okay this happened and they've been trying to piece it together over the years but it just gets like the one thing they've hung on to is doom guy is fucking amazing he's just a monster and like he battles through these waves of demons Often goes into hell, closes the portal, jumps back out, and like at one point he ends up back on Earth, and he finds out his whole family has been uh, killed, and he's just like, "All right, there's nothing left, so now all I am is doom guy." The doom guy. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> this is my life now, and like they're trying to evacuate Earth, so he just does what he does, kills all the demons, and gives uh, humanity time to escape, and he's. Del- last uh, remaining human on earth and he finds out they radio him they find out that like the invasion like the portal started there in his home city so he goes jumps into hell 
kicks the shit out of a bunch of demons, comes back out, and then they like just give him this job. They're just like, this is what you do now. Like, we're going to keep fucking around with portal technology because mm-hmm. we're safe because we have you. And his life goes on like this, right? This is every Doom game, right? He ends up somewhere else, has to go in, close a portal. At one point, he's just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm just going to stay in hell. And he does that and he just destroys all these demons and they actually vanquish him. Like he's, he's too threatening to the demons that they actually vanquish him from hell. They're just like, no, you're not allowed to be. And I love the idea of playing as a, as a main character who the enemy is scared of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That shit's dope. No, this is, this is where like that, that is just like the setup of, for when things get hilarious to me and like super fun is so they vanquish him. He eventually gets back in. Like, he fights his way. He's like, no, no, you guys can't get rid of me. But over the course of all, the, the whole series, he eventually actually develops superpowers. Like um, I was going to say, he, is he a super soldier? He or? eventually does by some, like, alien race. Um, I mean, there's a lot of games out there. and like, I mean, Go play They had to throw a bunch of stuff in. But, the, like, the superpower is, like, the more he kills, the stronger he gets. So he's like, fuck it, I'm going back into hell. And he spends, like, eons and eons in hell just, like, destroying demons to the point where they work him into the like foundation the annals of history in hell like new generations of demons are brought up and raised by being like they're, they're told stories from like there's when this devil born. that exists yeah in hell. there's a boogeyman there's, yeah. there's a boogeyman out there and eventually sooner or later he will come for you and it's just the doom guy like he by this point they call him the doom slayer because mm-hmm. he's like the biggest, he is the boogeyman. He is demons, Michael Myers. That's got like a, a Rick and Morty episode written all over. Yeah, where... No, that, that's the funny part because you have to assume at some point, because he was down there for hundreds and hundreds of years, right? At, at some point in the history of hell, there must have been like a group of tween demons sitting around a corpse fire at summer hell camp telling horror stories about doom the guy. doom guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just a human and they can't kill him and they eventually like just trap him because they can't do anything about, about and, him and they lock him in this like sarcophagus and, or and this temple and they just like scribble all these hieroglyphics and like leave his symbol all over and a bunch of warnings like don't open this do not let him out and it's demons we're talking about just, yeah like the voice like I love that that they're just fucking <laughs> yeah, terrified yeah, yeah. of him like and when you say they can't kill him like is it that like he does die like you know when the, when you play the game you'll die regularly like you you might just get fucked up and die. I, I I know but but every death you have is expected to not be canonical okay right? yeah. so I wasn't sure if it was like while he's in hell you just die and you just get reborn and he's just still pissed he's like I'm just a raging berserker <laughs> yes that could be it too no he just doesn't die like yeah. even like when the alien race that imbues him with the powers find him they were just like well he's an outsider so they have this like um, trial we're just like any outsider we find we just throw him in the pits and they're just like gladiators and you know they have to fight to survival and he just kills everything they throw at him and they're just like okay put him in the army right now it's like a much it's like a much more exciting superman that was always my thing with superman as a, as a hero was that he's he's really boring because he's, he's just he's unbeatable oh kryptonite this is the only thing they can kill him it's like I, I, I find superman to be one of the most boring superheroes yeah, out yeah, there I get that. but <clears throat> to take the twist on that and to make this guy like you know because everyone's like oh you know all the bad guys scared of superman it's like well we've got this other guy called doom guy that no one can defeat and all the fucking hell demons <laughs> that you're scared of are terrified of this guy but you play as him. I love that. Like, you know, yeah. the unbeatable, the unbeatable mascot. That's cool. 
it's so it's just bad shit i love it so much but, but there's not much story to it it's just like but that's enough for yeah, me i know, though, you know? <laughs> i mean it, it, and it's doom like you're not really you're not in it for the doom. narrative <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. going in for the, like the to rip and tear guts and glory just to, to bring down the stress levels do you know what i mean it's such <laughs> yeah, a good exactly. game for like it just relaxing you know Connor, you got any other i mean like time wise we're, we're, we're running pretty heavy here so i might give you one more if you want to pick your sure i can do um i won't talk too long about it but actually i'll give you guys the option and this is an option for Ooh. us both okay so i, I can love either, choice they're both very similar fantasy worlds one i'd prefer kind of to talk about and the other one i would be able to talk about because it's so vast in yeah. lore and stuff so the one i think is vast in lore is skyrim um, very good naturally okay we don't have oh, to talk just, about it uh elder scrolls in general elder scrolls in general but like even yeah. even just from skyrim you have all those factions and stuff like that like i i don't want to go into that one specifically because mm. the other option is the witcher franchise and like that bit me real hard especially when the show came out and yeah. i read books i read through the entire series and I just have such an appreciation yeah. for the lore and the background of characters. Like when you play that game, you might not necessarily know who a character is, but you're kind of like, oh, they've got a relationship here. There's some kind of rapport. And then when you like, for me anyway, having read the books, it's kind of like, oh, I'm in on this previous yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I do take a little bit of like, like a little uh, satisfaction from those little details. And I do enjoy lore in that sense when it's coming from a couple of different mediums. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that Luke always said to me was that the Halo, some of the Halo books are I, I was good. I was about to bring it up like when a game actually like interests you that much to like mm -hmm. go out and read more stuff about read it. the actual books but visually it's so cool as well it's, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that that is something special like I, think, I, I did read like Halo they weren't all good like uh Halo the, the not the first book but like it's the book about the first game literally reads like you're playing the game it's it's pretty awful but Halo Reach Yes, I think Fantastic. that's the one that Luke was talking about. Yeah, and I've, there. I've read my fair share of uh, Warcraft books too. And yeah, that shit's good. So, Colm, I think uh, my choice. I'll, I'll, I'll see what Chris wants to do as well. But I, I would, I would love to hear more about The Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah? absolutely. Yeah. Oh. The moment you said you started reading the books too, it was like there's the gold medal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like so, like have you both played Witcher two and or three? Or I've only played three. I've only, yeah. only played three, haven't finished it, but I'm up to date on the TV show and have read the like the, the like the book of short stories and then the first like two or three books in the, in oh, the main lovely. series. All right. Did you Ooh. did you watch the anime show? Yeah, the, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That yeah. was so good. I didn't like see that, it. No. In terms of like the books and stuff, like the witches shouldn't be that strong. Uh, I know. And then it, even it, in the show, they're not. You know, or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like a giant, just like a kamehameha. It's yeah, crazy. it's. Uh, if you haven't seen, I think it's called something of the wolf. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was. It's a funny one because I, I guess maybe like an anime something that my you know my dad definitely can't get behind you know, mm -hmm. because he loves the witch of the TV show. Yeah. And then I was like, Dad, you should watch this other thing because I hadn't even seen it. And I was like, you watch this other thing on Netflix. It's just some more stuff to do with the Witcher. And I'd heard great things, which is why I recommended. It. And I was like, hey, dad, what you think about that? It's like, I didn't enjoy that very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, fair. Yeah. Well, like in this Witcher world, like, you know yourselves, like it just, it's similar to like any series. It has multiple games, but they are all in the same universe. So whatever sticks in the first game will continue on as history you know like it's it's canonical you, even with decisions again you can kind of change that around but the great thing with the witcher is it just has so many interesting properties like even the witcher themselves they're like these genetically fucking um, modified human beings that are like given this like drug and chemicals um just to basically heighten their senses to make them more adept at killing and slaying monsters like that's their it, entire trait it, it wasn't the main reason of 
the augmentation to be able to handle their potions and survive. I yeah. thought that was the whole idea behind it. Well, so they so, could drink that. And- yeah. So everything that they drink is extremely toxic. So like if a witcher was to drink a health potion, if he was to give it to somebody like, here, drink this health potion, that would murder them. Like yeah. they would die straight away. So yeah, everything that is done to them, like there's different levels of it. And this is what's also interesting in the books. It happens early as well. So it shouldn't be a spoiler. I don't want to go into too deep into the books because one is the show and then you also have the books. So mm-hmm. just mostly just game kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I hear the the show's kind of fallen from grace. It's, though, it's, isn't it? I, yeah. The second season lost me already, yeah. but the uh, third season probably won't get better. Well, uh, I mean, I I watched so there's only two seasons out, right? Or is it three? There is a third out now, and it's Henry Cavill's last season, last season. before Liam's head. Oh, Liam is Hemsworth it out now? In. I don't know. Uh, no, I think I think it's coming in soon. soon. I I yeah. really I have to say I quite you now I was reading the books around the same time, so I was literally like seeing the visualization of the books I was reading to an extent but yeah. I mean Henry Campbell left because I mean he's a giant nerd yeah. so he was big and they were faithful that. enough to the lore <laughs> yeah yeah. and look the problem alright here's an example of what I have a problem with in the book and this shouldn't be a spoiler because in the second season of The Witcher um, there's a scene there's an episode with Eskel in it and at the very beginning of the episode Eskel comes back mortally wounded and he's in the well he's not mortally wounded he's just wounded and then it turns out midway through that he's got this leech in him and it's turning him into like a fucking lechen there's a tree a tree monster oh the lechy or he's not actually one of them he's just some new creature like some fucking shitty thing but anyway um Henry Cavill, like I like in the show, I'm just expecting like he'll just be able to like remove the curse or whatever. But it doesn't go that route, and he just fucking has to kill Eskel. And I'm like, right, number one in the games, Eskel is like a fucking friend who accompanies you on missions and stuff like that. Like you go hunting with him and Lambert, and like they're like the three of them and Cohen are these like kind of four main witchers that come from the school of the wolf. And I'm just like, all right, you got to treat these guys with respect. And they killed him off in the second season. And even in the books, he doesn't die. Like, like not yeah. like that anyway. Like, it's just, it was so, not offensive, but it was just like, you know, if you were like into a book or the lore of something and then to have it not done justice and for not even a beneficial way, like if they did it differently and it paid off and it was cool, I'd like it, but it didn't pay off. It was yeah. just, yeah. Ad- adaptations are real, can be really hit and miss. As a Wheel of Time, we're talking mm. about fantasy books here, as a Wheel of Time fan, that TV show, oh, that murdered, <laughs> murdered us. I that think the whole like killing it. off characters thing, it like, Game of Thrones made it like too popular and now like yeah. everyone's trying to throw it in there. Just but like, in, in in fairness, like and I can see why Henry Cavill would have had a problem and left because they weren't sticking to the lore or the story in the truest way they could have. But again, I think it's so hard to, to put things to TV to, to hold an audience. And, you know, I knew that he didn't die that way. But when I watched that episode, I was like, this is pretty exciting stuff. At least yeah. I thought so anyway. Yeah. I was like, this isn't I, true to the books, but I'm enjoying this new right. yeah. twist, you know? I get that. All right, and here's one of the things, and I don't want to talk about the show, I'd rather talk about the game, but really quickly, biggest gripe with that second season is they had no respect for a witcher, okay? At the like second last episode or last episode, a portal opens up and all these demons come rushing out and basically slaughter every witcher in the yeah. fucking Caramoran. And I'm like... You had a very limited resource of characters that can become recurring and you just destroyed all, all of them. them and left it with just like a handful. And I'm like, that's not like, you know, there's other schools, there's other things like this and all, but like they didn't need to just make it look like a witcher is nothing, you know, yeah. like they just died so fast and pointlessly. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the pain in your face. Yeah. And uh, her 
series weekend training and now she's just like oh she yeah. did that really tiny obstacle course and they're like oh mm-hmm. no she's a witch and it's <laughs> like, cool like, oh. in, the, in the books and even in the game like they see that like you see series training montage true Geralt's memories and stuff in the books like she keeps trying to do it and keeps failing and like it, it is like a, a struggle like an entire book like Siri in the books is a primary character like especially after maybe the third book it follows her primarily mm-hmm. and the like lore behind her and her family is very very interesting um like there's characters that I, I don't know where the series spoiled it or not um did you at the end of the second season what does the king say about siri the king of nilfgaard because i don't want to spoil it but if it's already come i don't know the it, exact words but i know who he is I who mean, do you know who, who he is to siri uh, the, the emperor guy who's like sending people out to find Siri. Oh, then the guy who looks for her himself. No, 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 no. 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 The, now that guy's name is Kair. Oh, he's him, he's awesome. He's meant to be her her dad, isn't it? It is her dad. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Spoilers, spoilers. I warned spoilers. you at the start of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, right. So we can go ahead with this, even though I kind of coerced you into knowing it was. <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to think. Was it? Yeah. But yes, I I remember the scene there with the very literally the last one of the last scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So like in, in the books, um, like that's a big kind of like thing. It'll come in later, but like the show got into it quite early, and then in the third game, like the premise is that he is sending you off to find his daughter Siri. They've had their disagreements, and it's just like, all right, Geralt she loves you and you love her i don't like you but i know you'll look after her so i'm sending you to like he's like i'm going to give you money to go protect my daughter and you being Geralt, you can be just like i'll take your money or you could just be like shove your money up your ass i'm gonna go to find my daughter <laughs> and it's just like these like kind of cool things but again you just have this Nilfgaardian army who are invading all of this area this landmass, and his daughter is like the princess of that as well and she has this royal blood that descends from like um I don't even know how you describe them, but there's like this, you know, in like the Witcher elves universe. Or like it, ancient yeah, elves, it, aren't they? She's like a breed of elf. Yeah, there's like a genetic, not genetically, there's just a special breed of uh, high elf. Yeah. And if the, the elder, girls... Elder the, the elder blood, yeah. yeah. And uh, like these elder blood, like the seventh born child, uh, female child, is supposed to inherit the powers of a woman called Laura Dorn. And basically she held like this great power um, like eons ago. And then there's like characters like elves that recur that were like, cause the elves live for fucking crazy amounts of time. There's like an elf called Avalok who was in love with Laura Dorn. And then later in the story, he's helping Siri because she resembles Laura Dorn. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of creepy. And you don't know to trust this guy as an ally or a villain. And he, like in previous games, he's a villain. And then in this situation, cause it's Siri, he's not a villain. And it's just like this overarching stories that kind of keep on joining um together so you've got like siri going off on her quest building her own relationships Geralt going off on his quest slaying monsters being like getting this reputation and the thing with Geralt as well is that he doesn't age so while siri's a young girl growing up he's just traveling around just slaying monsters she's training in care more and then getting more functional with like like slaying um like monsters and stuff like that without any modifications that a witcher has mm-hmm. and she's able to use like her uh, ancestral powers to fucking yeah, she could do the blink dash. I love yeah, that yeah, shit. yeah. For, from a gaming mechanic, that blink dash is super cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, it's just like look, you could go into it all. Like even just the different schools, the bear, the wolf, the cat, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like you could break down so much. And I'm sure there's YouTube videos where you could go into The Witcher and just like ask them to like go through 
all the different kind of um witchers that are out there all the villains that have crossed over because like witchers aren't necessarily good people either so some of them have really cool backstories and you can kind of like quests will make you meet other witchers and then there's like this is just a really cool example there's like one witcher you come across and he's after murdering an entire town and then Geralt's like right I'm gonna have to fucking kill you and he's like no you can't kill me like blah 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 and then he tells you his side of events and he slayed a monster for this town and then he they were like oh we can't pay you uh, and he's like you have to pay me blah 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 like I'm not leaving till you pay me so they're like alright come around to this uh, barn and we'll, we'll give you the money and he's like what the hell is going on here and while he's looking at what they're trying to show him someone else comes out with a pitchfork and stabs him through the chest from behind and in retaliation he kills that guy everybody else in the town except for like a little girl and that little girl Geralt finds in the woods and like finds his way to this witcher and then you have that choice that dilemma whether he was right to he obviously wasn't right to but murder the entire he, town like they did they, they didn't pay him his tree fitting yeah. <laughs> I want my tree pretty <laughs> it's what, like when it comes to fantasy one of the things that you know it's a thought I have from time to time and it blows my mind every time I think about it because you've got our history like you know just the history that we have the history books the history that we learn in school ancient Rome the wars everything but then as, as a person who was playing D&D, DMing for quite a long time and creating my own like homebrew and world in there, I was like, that's a, that's a whole world inside of my head. And you've got people who've created The Witcher, Lord of the Rings, Wheel mm. of Time. And these are just the published people. So I, I find it astonishing that out there in the world, in our, on our planet Earth right now, however like billions of people there are, there are billions more worlds, galaxies, you know, all these things that have been mm-hmm. thought of. And yeah. some of it never, you know, went from pen to paper. Some of it never, yeah. was never published and became good work. But I just love... Like, that we can sit around here at a table and talk about lore that humans have created. Yeah. And there's so much of it out yeah, there. Yeah, there is. And Lord of the cool Rings is, is particularly crazy because there's just, like, entire languages, like, multiple languages and just, like, all mm. sorts of maps of the world. And, and like, yeah. That would be the same. Like, so, like, I wouldn't be a massive Star Trek fan, but like that, there's, like, languages that yeah, fans on, develop yeah. and stuff like that. Like, in terms of lore, another one would be kind of, like, fan fiction, you know? Like, fan fiction, sometimes that elevates the lore of, a, of oh, something or other, you know? Yeah. Like, I um, already talked about with the Dark Souls. A lot yeah, of it yeah. was... You call it theory crafting, but you know that's it, the the lines are kind of blurry between what is theory crafting, and what is fan fiction, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's and like Star Wars, cool. some of the best stuff oh, that was, was ever created say. in Star Wars was yeah. uh, fan made, or just extended universe that's not mm-hmm. canon anymore, like the the whole like rule of two, like Bane yeah. and all that. Yeah. Like, that is my favorite part. Yeah, big so fan of right all there. that. Like the star, I think the Star Wars like non-canon stuff now. Some of that was really, really cool. Yeah, uh, a little shout out. I don't know the name of the channel, but there's like YouTube videos that I used to go through the habit of. Yeah, like, you, just, you I mean, watched a few you of them with you, right? Stay up so late watching about all yeah. the different Sith lords in the past. Yeah. And it was like just that, like yeah. um, Star Wars lore. It was something along them lines. I think you would have because that's what I thought was fascinating. Again, I, we're going off top. I needed you know need to finish up the episode yeah. at some point. <laughs> but uh, what I loved about that was that you'd have. And this is what I mean about lore and how much is out there and, and how much people get sucked into it. But we, we were watching those Star Wars videos and it was about really obscure characters. Mm-hmm. But the whole video would be filled with fan art yeah. and stuff oh. that yeah. people would have made of this really obscure Star Wars character. It's only mentioned once. Like I had this, I had this fact file growing up, the Star Wars fact file. And uh, you could pick a magazine every week. Do you know what I mean? Like this subscription thing. Get a magazine every week. And so I was like, 
fuck is this guy but i loved it i loved it it was just this random person this random planet you never heard of and it was just a whole backstory a whole thing and i was like shit and i always blows my mind because this it's the star wars the star treks the lord of the rings the wheel of times the the witcher the stuff that made it to publishing that got out into the mm-hmm. to, to, that we all have read the amount of stuff that we haven't discovered mm-hmm. of all these these lore based mm-hmm. things is just phenomenal I, I remember this. uh what really uh, wrinkled my brain was um, finding out that like the lightsabers, different colors, meant different things, or yeah. just like they were like adept in different areas, or they had different yeah. jobs. And the yellow lightsabers that they've overcome, the Sentinels. Uh, well, based on the Knights of the Old Republic games, the Guardians are the blue, the Sentinels are the kind of yellow or yellow orange, orange yeah. and then the uh, Counselors, I think they're called, are the green. Yeah. So like the Qui-Con Jinns are the green. Are the green. And they, yeah. they even worked in because. We all know Samuel L. Jackson wanted purple, so yeah. he got purple. But they even worked that in, like, mm-hmm. canonically, is because he fights with, I think it's the sixth form or whatever, he's, which is... He's seen darkness or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's the closest and to... Being like, a dark... Dark side, uh, so it's a mixture a between blue and red. Yeah. So they get the purple. And, like, it's it's so funny as well to think, I mean, how pissed would you be if you were George Lucas who created this entire world, right? And you've never once fucking thought about a purple lightsaber. And you have to, like canonically put it in your series because some fucking egotistical <laughs> actor was like i want a damn purple lightsaber yeah, cool. if you want me in your movie <laughs> i actually saw a documentary recently as well where it's just that scene where it literally happens in about the space of five to six seconds and basically george lucas goes so these are the lightsabers you can have blue uh green or red uh but red are for the bad guys They're like can i have purple and he's like, uh, I guess we could do purple. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. You just don't want to lose Samuel Jackson. You know what I mean? Like, I'd say he's the guy who'd walk out in an instant of, yeah. of, of that kind of scenario. I, you know, hearing it in those words, maybe he was just saying it as a joke. And, yeah. Lucas and George was Lucas like, was like, yeah, what? I can pick a backstory for this. You know, yeah, he kind of went off the rails. But I guess, you know, we do. I mean, I could talk about lore forever, guys. But I guess we do have to finish it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we do go, and I, I, I won't go into too much. But I say, if you want to put an honorable mention, because I know you guys might have had a bit more. I'm just going to say this because it would be rude of me not to. And I bring it up every episode. It, it is my shtick. Uh, I do love the Kingdom Hearts lore. <laughs> there yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> Keyblade Wars. And I, I'm just putting this out there for people to check out because it's cool stuff. I'm not going to go into it. Keyblade Wars and the idea that if you lose your heart you can create this nobody version of you who has no purpose uh, a cool concept not delivered well by Nomura unfortunately in those mm-hmm. games it's convoluted as fuck but a great conceptual piece to the story Chris have you got anything you want to throw in there losing your heart and becoming a nobody is essentially just the undead becoming hollow in Dark Souls it's the same concept which one came first probably Dark Souls no, no. Kingdom Hearts came first. Oh, boy. Yeah. Dark Souls Robin Kingdom Hearts ideas. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, damn. They just did it much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't deny that. I'll give you that one for sure. Uh, any honorable mention? Chris, or are you good? You covered- uh, I, I mentioned the I read Warcraft books. I've always been a big fan of Warcraft in the past, but um, I mean, they went with like timeline changes or time traveling mm-hmm. and just like timeline changes and things kind of went a bit messy a little wild I, I miss the old days when it was just orcs versus humans yeah simple things yeah. and Colin any last honorable mention just an honorable mention with no chats about it please uh, but Mass Effect I think that has some great lore behind it's, it as well yeah it's on my honorable mentions list, and yeah. it's, it's one that I would encourage anybody Bioware at their best that mm-hmm. galaxy essentially that they created and that's what I mean fucking the people created you know the writers team at Bioshock created an entire galaxy worth of lore like that yeah. shit's crazy we have our own galaxy yeah. and they created their own one different and one ours can I just Mental. say as well this is just a, another 
other thing. So my brother Craig, who appears on the podcast regularly, uh, playing games like XCOM, he will write people's names, give them a backstory and stuff like that. And every single one of those tiny planets has a massive backstory. It has statistics in like Mass Effect 1 anyway. Like when you scan these things, they have all these details in a massive fucking solar system, multiple solar systems. Like somebody had to sit down one day and and actually write that. And like, it could be all gibberish after a while if you actually read it. I've never read any of it. But like, (laughs) like, like, oh, that's cool. But I'm just going to scan, get my resources and go. (laughs) The data shards in Cyberpunk is like, there's no fucking way I'm reading. Of course, why would you? If it plays for me while I run around, around and do shit then i'm like okay this is good enough for me but that's that's the lower episode guys uh column chris thank you very much for hopping on uh this one Uh, if you like the content we're about to go into our post show and do a quick little post show on our favorite cheat codes Mm -hmm. hope you guys remembered that maybe not Oh, I'll do something else. Okay, Chris has it. Well, it's going to be really good. Trust me, Calm's going to come up with some really good stuff for this episode. Really good. So really good. good. Yeah. Uh, but listen, uh, guys, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, again, if you want to listen to the post show stuff, hit on our patreon.com forward slash gifted gaming. And until then, dear listeners, keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out, guys. Peace out.